A printed photograph is a wonderful thing. Whether as a print, a magazine spread, or a book, it offers me an opportunity to linger and explore. I love sitting down with a new book or publication, enjoying the tactile feeling of turning the page and taking in the photograph. The combined sensation of seeing and feeling the weight of the photograph in my hand is something uniquely special. Tomasz Szebiotowski knows both worlds. Along with being the founder of the Fuji Love website, he's also a publisher. He distributes both the digital and analog version of Fuji Love magazine and now his latest offering, Frames. Along with being a showcase for great photographers regardless of brand association, Frames is a bold effort to redefine the subscription model by offering a quarterly printed magazine, monthly online content, and master classes with great photographers for just one subscription price. This new effort allowed me an opportunity to learn more about an old friend, including his career as a professional classic pianist. This is Ibarian X, and welcome back to The Candid Frame. Well, Tomas, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's good to, to, to have you on the show, my friend. Yeah, Ibarionex, thank you so much. It, it has been a while, you know, um, since we talk anyway. And being on your show, first of all, uh, big honor for me. Thank you so much. You know, I've been listening myself for, for years. And um, yeah, I think it's the place to be and to talk about photography on the, on the internet these days. Yeah, I really have been impressed by the various efforts that you've taken uh, with respect to photography, with Fuji Love, and now you have this new uh, magazine called Frames. And, you know, we've interacted and we've collaborated in a, a, a lot of things, but we've never really had, I have never had a really an opportunity to try, like sit down and find out more about you just because we're always sort of talking business. And I thought that, you know, the release of the new magazine gave me an excuse to finally sit down and learn more about my friend. And while we can spend a lot of time talking about photography, I have to find out more about your career as a pianist. I was just listening to uh, the, the album that you released a couple of years back in 2014, which is just lovely. You got to tell me about, you know, your career as a, a pianist. How did that all, all start? Oh, well, so we are digging really, really long time back, right? Uh, childhood. Uh, yeah, I started playing piano when I was um, six, I guess. Uh, mm. My parents um, loved music, classical music very much. You know, my mother played the guitar as an amateur. My father was listening to all kinds of music, jazz, classical music. And, you know, at some point, apparently they, they discovered that I, you know, starting moving my small body to, to, to all possible rhythms coming from the speakers. Mm. They sent me to, to, to music school, you know, and um, I looked at different instruments. Um, I, I fell in love kind of with the piano very quickly, you know, and started uh, asking them, yeah, I would like to have a piano at home and so on. I, I started practicing. I remember those times communist Poland, you know, I come originally from Poland now living in Switzerland, yeah. but those times, you know, to, uh, for my parents to afford the piano was basically not doable. Uh, I, my, my first piano, so to speak, was a paper keyboard is that it was a keyboard of oh, keys printed yeah. out on paper where I was, you know, kind of learning the keys, learning the, the distances between them. But on a, mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a paper keyboard. I was, I was having my lessons with my teacher, but at home, you know, it, I think it took my parents a year till we had an actual instrument at home. Wow. Yeah. So that's how it started, you know. So I, and then I continued with, a, with you know, standard, you know, edu music education, primary, secondary school. I did the college and then... Um, I did postgraduate studies here in Switzerland, where I'm still still living today. So yeah, I, I, I'm a pianist, you know. <laughs> I'm still playing today. I'm still working uh, part-time at uh, Lucerne College of Music, teaching chamber music and, and piano. So this is a very important part of my life, yeah. That's no, no, no question about it. You know, I talk to a lot of photographers about, you know, what is it about photography that, that is, makes it such a passion for them. For them. You, you have that as well, but... What is it about music, especially being able to create music, you know, whenever you want on, on the piano that you find so intoxicating? Well, I would say I, I used to be, and I, I, I to, to, to 
to an extent, I still am a very a shy person. You know, mm. I am not an outgoing type kind of uh, extrovert. Um, so I guess for me, the music was always a, a tool, you know, to, to express myself without words, yeah. you know, through those. I mean, I was channeling my emotions, my, my, my stories, my thoughts, whatever, you know, in, through the instrument, through the, through, through my play, so to speak. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. the similar thing, as, as we know, can understand happened to with photography, right? Again, visual tools of expression. So, you know, kind of, I think it, it, it has been my way for years and still today, um, when, when sitting at the piano or when, you know, looking for images somewhere in the field, I have all, all, you know, like all, like all of us, I have all, all of those thoughts and emotions and, and, and joys and problems, you know, in my head, but I kind of try to channel them, express them through my, through my music or through my images. I mean, mm -hmm. sounds very big and, and, and kind of cliche maybe, but it's nothing, nothing much more special to it, I think. Is there a particular composer that you gravitate to that you feel like when you play aptly expresses how you often have felt? Yeah, I have one. It's, it's, it's Johannes Brahms. It's, I think, the closest somehow to my heart. It's, you know, his music is, there are all emotions in it, all possible kinds of, you know, moods, but uh, they are not overly expressive, over the top, you know, they're kind of under control. So they are like mm -hmm. boiling inside, but his structure, you know, and the, and the form of his pieces keeps them in place, you know, they are there, but yeah. not overly What's the word here? You have to help me with my, my non-native English, you know, from time to time. But you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not hyperbolic. They're, they're not exaggerated. They're like, yeah, I, th I think with certain music that, that the emotion is like right there on the surface. There's like surface tension. There's yes, a little exactly. tension there, but it's not melodramatic. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. So, so yeah, that's Brahms for me huh? in, uh, in music. Oh, and then nice. It, I, I have... I have to revisit Brahms uh, and, and and see if I can listen for for that quality that you describe. Yeah, and I think you know this this similar thing happens to it's it's very interesting topic and and I don't want to go here with you for hours, of course, but uh, I, I see so many parallels between music and photography, and it's interesting because music is a completely kind of an abstract right form of expression mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't exist in a physical form it's just something we hear photography it's something we create from things we see in front of us so at least the objects are already there you know yeah but i see so many parallels yeah between those two art forms what let's let's talk about a few that resonate for you personally yeah so number one what we just touched on it on is is emotions which exactly you know with music, it's maybe more obvious, right? We have music of different moods, right? Of, you know, we have mm -hmm. sad music, happy music, you know, introverted and, and so on. But I find very often when, you know, we're looking at photographs, I experience similar kind of emotions, you know, a photograph can speak like really volumes to me in terms of its emotional impact. But again, this would be usually for me, it would be usually a photograph, which is, um, it's difficult to, you know, to, to describe, but usually a photograph, which is also not so obvious, quote unquote, right? right. So it's something, mm -hmm. it's, it can be something abstract. It can be something which has an element which only suggests what's going on in the scene. You know, it's not just there in front of you, but it's mm -hmm. something much more subtle. So I think, yeah, similarities for yeah, me. No, I completely, yeah, I completely get that because I know that that's, that's a quality that I'm often looking for in a photograph that I'm looking at that's been created by somebody else. I see plenty of photographs that are obvious. You know, you can see why someone gravitated to it. And, and what it is largely is, is just a, a copy, a representation of what was there. And then there are other photographers who are able to capture the same scenes, the same subjects in a way that is infused with something special, something about who they are. Going back to the thing with music, you can hear someone play the notes of a piece of music and they're accurate. And then in the hands of someone else, it all of them takes on a, a life because they are playing not just what they see on the, on the, the, the seat music, but what's happening in terms of 
what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, what they're thinking as they're playing it. And that's what I, I'm always hoping for in a, in a photograph. Uh, you know, another element, which, which uh, again, it, it's, um, I find fascinating. I, I found this parallel, you know, some, some years ago. It's, um, it's a pause, you know, in the, in the music piece. So, you know, the moment where there's mm-hmm, no yeah. music coming up and negative space in photography. I am oh. a huge fan of negative space in photography. I mean, I love it. You know, I love, I love, and I also tend to produce my own, you know, images when I work on them. They, they, they often have a, a big areas of, of, you know, pitch black or completely white, you know, fragments in them. Right. Which, you know, basically contain, I mean, in digital age, you would say no data, right? So it's, but this exactly is something which creates this tension for me. And then you have this element which only suggests, you know, maybe maybe a shape of something or maybe a, you know, silhouette of a person or whatever it might be on the photograph. And the same in music, you know, the music is going on and then you have this moment of mm-hmm. silence, which as we know, it produces so much tension, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's, 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 there's weight to it. And I think with a photograph, um, negative space has that, has that, can have that weight. It's one of the things that I know for me has helped me develop as as a photographer to look beyond the obvious subject and looking at what else is at the frame. I think when I'm composing a photograph now, I'm thinking as much about all the things that are around it, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the obvious subject as I am the subject itself. And that for me is is really where the dance is, where the art yeah, is yeah, in so terms so- of creating this relationship deciding what to include, what to exclude. And for me right now, that's, that's the fun. You know, there's an, that initial spark of, oh, I found something. And then it's like, okay, what else is there to work with? And trying to refine it within seconds or minutes, however long I have to make the photograph and create an image that just, that I feel sings. Um, yeah, those are definitely the elements that, that, you know, make it all so fascinating. You know, so like to conclude my, my uh, two, you know, um, areas, you know, I'm kind of enjoying and being active in. So, um, you know, very often as a, as a photographer, when I'm out there, you know, photographing, I, I hear melodies or, you know, particular mm-hmm. pieces in my head, right? And kind of it's working there in the background, right? And then I, go out and uh, I, I don't like to listen so much, you know, like with a he- some photographers go out with headphones on their head, you know? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, this, I'm not a particular fan of this. I mean, it doesn't work for me. This is too much distraction, but of course in my head, it happens all the time. I'm out there photographing and in my head, you know, a tune comes up or whatever it might be. And it kind of puts me in a special mood. And in some way, I believe influences my image making in this moment. And the mm. opposite and the opposite is happening at the piano. So I'm playing the piece, but oh, I start okay. seeing images, particular images or some kind of scenes in front of my eyes, you know? So it's abs- it's, it's like almost like, like one unity, you know, for, for, for me, this, this that, whole that, thing. Yeah. I, I wish I had a score in my head when I go out and photograph. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the score gets too, too, you know, complicated and complex because some of those pieces are really difficult, then I kind of, you know, then I back off, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we know that too complicated uh, compositions and images also don't necessarily work. Oh, yeah, they they very, have to be really, true. really good. <laughs> so uh, what are the, uh, you came into photography relatively late. You picked up, a, I think it was a Fuji F, uh, F100 or something like that, or 100F yeah, uh, at some well, point. That was yeah. a spark for, for you? Um, before getting the first Fuji X100S, it was, I believe. I, I had a few cameras before, right? So um, the, the very, you know, okay, again, rewinding a little bit. So my father was into photography as well as an amateur, mm-hmm. but a, a, a passionate amateur, you know, they were... Uh, what do you call them? Shoe boxes, you know, full of positives, you know, and, and print prints uh, in the attic and so on. So I saw my father very often with a camera in his hand, you know, practica, Canon, you know, analog cameras of those times and so on. But then, you know, then I, I didn't really um, affect me so much. I mean, I, I, I saw it, you know, I was, I was sometimes bored and annoyed with him putting us in front of the camera all the time, you know, <laughs> and so on. Mm-hmm. And then some years passed and, I moved to Switzerland, you know, I started studying music here in, in, in Lucerne and something absolutely crazy and amazing ha- happened one day to me. So I, I arrived in, in, in Lucerne, Switzerland at the College of Music, first days of, of studying on this at 
this school, a woman comes up from a, from a secretary, comes up and says, we are looking for somebody to go for a two-week cruise to Antarctica to play a few tunes, uh, you know, um, each evening, you know, on, 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 the, on the ship. Everything, you know, the, 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 the cruise is paid. It's a, it's a uh, you know, first-class cabin and so on, everything. You just have to play there from time to time. I was like, wow. sign me up, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then what came immediately after is, okay, going to Antarctica, probably one and only time in my lifetime, it would be not the b- worst idea to, to have some kind of a camera with me, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I agree. Uh, that's, <laughs> and that's why when I got the um, Canon PowerShot G2. This was mm-hmm. my yeah, very, very nice first. Camera. Yeah, so, so came back, you know, from this trip and started discovering things. You know, it was already digital, of course, then. So I, you know, I started learning Photoshop, you know, Photoshop two or whatever it was. It, it was, mm-hmm. it was 2000, you know, year 2000. So, yeah. and yeah, that's when it all started, you know, from then on camera, almost all the time in my bag or in my hand. <laughs> so yeah, that's the story in a nutshell. Well, well you, you picked two uh, arts that require a lot of time, photography and, and music in order to become adept at, uh, and then as you, as we heard in the background, you have a, a family as well. So you've got at least three, no, you got, you got, God knows how many different things it's time consuming <laughs> as well as being a publisher. Well, and, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah. I, I, I sometimes think I'm busy, but I think of you and I just go, my God, I'm, I'm a, I'm a slouch compared to my friend Tomas. Oh, no, I don't believe that, you know, I know how much work into, you put into everything you're doing. So, so no, no. Uh, yeah. You know, I think we are kind of probably constructed in a similar way, I would say. And those what creative people usually struggle with. And I, I admit I, there are absolutely some days of, of struggle, finding time, energy, for sure. It's like, we are not machines, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, this, this urge, you know, to, to create, to, to explore, to learn, it's stronger, you know, so <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> I am trying to get my seven hours of sleep every day, you know, and I am actually succeeding, yeah. so it's not so bad, you know? <laughs> oh, good, good. But, you know, it's, w- one of the things about photographers is, is, at least for myself, I've always strived to try to find some sort of community and, you know, with, with mixed success, but what's fascinating about your story is that you had actually created one yourself with the Fuji Love, you know, website and, and subsequently with the, with the magazine. And uh, I know there are a lot of people who talk about doing that, you know, creating a community for themselves. But you've managed to, to do it. And I, I'm curious as to what was the spark of that and what's allowed you to sort of sustain it? Because it's, it takes a lot of work, a lot of time. And I know it can be very exhausting in the midst of everything else that you're you're doing. Why do it? And what has sort of kept you going during, you know, those those times where it's where I'm sure you felt like, is it really worth <laughs> putting all this time and effort in order to make it happen? Yeah, well, I, I hear this kind of question quite a lot, you know, when people talk about uh, Fujilaf, you know, and Fujilaf magazine and community, exactly. So, but I have to, you know, I have to admit I'm also struggling with a, like a, a, some kind of a <laughs> straight, you know, simple answer. I mean, everything happened kind of organically. First of all, really, what was this initial spark for Fujilaf, you know, for, for, for the community first, you know, and then continued with mm-hmm. building the, 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 you know, bringing the magazine and uh, all the, you know, the ecosystem around it. It was an organic process, which really initiated with my fascination with those Fujifilm cameras. So, you know, I got the X100S, I, I fell in love with this camera, you know, it, it in some way, like many people say, right, reignited even though I was not like, I was doing photography, but it kind of pushed my photography even into more, you know, um, active direction. I, I, I started yeah. photograph, photographing even more and so on. And I really felt like I want to share this excitement with somebody, you know, um, members of the family, as we know, are it's a limited crowd and not necessarily always, you know, into fo- being into photography and so on. I started looking mm-hmm. around where I lived. Uh, yeah, well, you, you meet a person or two. Yeah, and then you know we we live in those crazy times with with all its um, advantages and 
disadvantages of of you know of the internet time right so yeah and, and i quick side note both of my parents were computer programmers so i was sitting uh, okay. all my life between two keyboards as i always say right so i was <laughs> <laughs> you know so i was kind of always already you know aware of how what's going on in the internet you know social media platforms you know whatever i i, I was able to build a website myself and so on so uh, i went with this excitement about fujifilm about photography on the internet you know and and i started a facebook group i opened an instagram account and started sharing this in enjoyment you know this fascination i started sharing the images some stories and you know it, it just started growing i never felt i like i was in at least in those early phases like i was really working on it sure mm -hmm. i was spending much time and energy was there because i was you know, yeah but it was rather like you know um staying in touch with this community which was growing right so exactly this community itself like you asked me what was the you know uh, what was the what was helping me in those moments of doubt or mm -hmm. this was exactly the community itself I, i i i mentioned before i'm not the most outgoing person maybe the fact that it was on the internet you know maybe i was i started enjoying more and more those interactions and and okay. the community started growing and and <laughs> one two years suddenly there is several thousands of people and, and and somebody from the community itself suggested what about having like a Fujifilm magazine or something. This was actually an idea from a member initially. Oh, <laughs> And I said, why not? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, the story here. That, well, it, an idea like that is easy to suggest. Pulling it off is an altogether different thing because then, then you have to learn a whole, a whole different thing. You have to learn design, layout, factoring in like, you know, the distribution and the mechanism through which you're going to be able to sell the magazine and get subscriptions and stuff like that. And one of the things that I've gotten to see over, over the years that, uh, I've been involved with you guys is to see the evolution of the design of the, uh, of the magazine, which has been nice. Uh, I Thank think you. it's one of the nicely, Uh, laid out publications that's, that, that, that's out there. But it's interesting that it comes at a time when magazines are often hurting, at least traditional published magazines. So coming out with a, a, an idea for a magazine now is, it has its own new set of challenges. So tell me about, you know, how you sort of thought about, you know, the, the existence of the magazine in terms of those logistics and how it's changed over the years since you've gotten more years under your belt in terms of creating it. So, yeah, the, the very, very beginning of, um, like I said, this, this was an idea of one of the members of the community. Somebody suggested, you know, um, what a, it would be nice to have a magazine, right, you know, for, for Fujifilm users. And as I was running this community, it was mainly then, it was mainly the Facebook group, or you know it was the main place where people were meeting and, and sharing images and so on you know being me i, I like to also test ideas <laughs> and you know it oh yeah mm. <laughs> uh, i think it took me you know maybe a few weeks i was already using fujifilm camera then for, for a while so i i knew a couple of fujifilm photographers you know also you know from different places uh, also a, a few official you know fujifilm ex photographers how they call them i reached out and asked hey would you be ready to, to you know prepare an article for 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 me for the magazine i'm trying to to put together the first issue of fuji Life magazine and you know response was nice you know this is nice people fujifilm is a nice community mm -hmm. <laughs> so i put um, the, the very first five issues of the magazine i was putting everything together myself the layout you know I was yeah. learning along the way, like a, like a crazy man, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, learning Adobe reader, learning InDesign, all those, you know, applications and so on and so forth. It was, and it is today still a digital magazine, right? So there was not this printing component yeah. involved. Yeah. You know, so day by day, uh, I, I, I guess I, we could say I'm, I'm also a learner. I'm a avid learner, right? So I was, you know, being stuck somewhere, let's learn it. Let's do it. How do I do it? You know, layout, uh, podcasting, whatever it might be, you know, um, right. I, I, lo I love those things. I love learning them. And, and so, uh, and of course, at some point, it, I think it was two years in, or maybe one year in uh, after 12 editions or 10 editions, I guess, uh, I got another person who, who started working on the layout. Right. So it's a, it's mm -hmm. a, her name is Danny lady in the UK. She is responsible for the beautiful layout. 
so big shout out here if you know I can send the episode to her, Danny Corbet from UK. Uh, excellent job, I think, on the layout. And yeah, uh, yeah, she does a really nice job. Yeah, and I couldn't be now, you know, more happy to 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 mention that Danny will be working. Is already working on the layout of frames. So oh, good. this, yeah, I'm really happy, you know, having her great, great job. And uh, yeah, so I got uh, her. Then came uh, Stephanie is also on the Fujilove team. She's, she's mm-hmm. me being a non-native, you know, English speaker. So she's doing the proofreading, you know, uh, checking everything, the grammar. Yeah, and, and indispensable so, uh, work, copywriting. God knows. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, today it is, it's a small team, I would say, of, of, three or four or five people, you know, working around Fujilove on different tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this was the evolution. That's that's step-by-step kind of process. Yeah. Each time I upload and release a new episode of the Candid Frame, I feel a great sense of accomplishment. It takes a lot of work to put together each episode. And there are weeks where there are more challenges than others. And just when I think it's not going to come off, it it all comes together. I'm glad to say that's more often the case than not. It's especially important now to have that regular sense of accomplishment. Because of COVID, some of my choices of creativity and enjoyment are not available to me. So producing a good episode for you makes me feel like I've made good use of my time. It's important to me, and I hope it's important to you. If it is, I hope you'll come on board as a financial supporter of the show. We are largely listener-supported, and your contributions really make all this possible. You can do that by contributing $5, $10, $20 or more a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash thecandorframe. Even the modest amount of $5 a month can and does make a difference for us. So please, become a Patreon supporter today. Thank you. But, you know, you mentioned just now about how you experiment. You will try different things. And that's something that's always uh, really impressed me about you, is that idea of like, well, let me try it. Uh, Let me see if it works. And I think a lot of people, including myself sometimes, are very hesitant to try something they've not tried before, just because they think about all the things that I don't know. And sometimes that can be an obstacle for me to really just throw myself into it for any variety of different reasons, including probably a bit of ego. But it seems like you have just said, well, let me try it and see what happens. And that that isn't necessarily an obstacle for you. Well, and help me to understand how why why you think that you think that uh, that way and how it helps you? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's, uh, and I am asking this question myself quite often, you know, about the, the way I function and um, what are the pros and cons of this kind of approach. And I think I'm most probably last two, three years slightly changing. You know, I, I really used to be, the, I had a period of, of in, my, in my life, like, you know, of those couple of years where I was really, like you say, testing ideas. So, you know, coming up with an idea relatively quickly going into the execution mm-hmm. phase and kind of validating it, right? With uh, with potential, you know, readers, customers, what, whoever it might be. What I learned and uh, I, I, you know, happily admitted is it, the, the con of, of such approach is, um, and it happened, you know, twice maybe with two, two of my projects, which I was trying to establish that they mm-hmm. did not work. And I am aware of the fact that the, the, the such instances of those things not working out when repeated too frequently might build an impression of, of a, you know, of a failing <laughs> entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I learned uh, it, it's, it's like a knife. What do you call it? What do you call it in English? A, a two edges so- sword. What's the, what's the two edged sword? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, uh, through this very process, I learn a lot. That's no question about it. Because, you know, it's a new task. It's a new idea. I have to learn mm-hmm. many new things. So I'm learning a lot. But then there is, as usual, as, as always, there is no guarantee that something will work out or, you know, that something will catch, you know, the, atten- the, the attention it needs, you know, to, to succeed and so on. I think I learned it now and I slowed down a little bit. So <laughs> okay. the, the, the Frames Magazine project, it seems to be now 
taking place. It's succeeding. We have really first several hundreds of subscribers already now when, when the actually the actual printed magazine is not yet out. I mean, not yet in the mm-hmm. hands of people. But I gave this project a way longer period of time and preparation than with my with those previous attempts, quick attempts, you know. Yeah. So it's it's a much deeper, much more thought through kind of um, undertaking. Yeah, because Fuji Love magazine um, for its for the bulk of its life, it was in a digital magazine. So it's like a PDF that you download and you can look on your tablet or on your on your computer. And then at some point, uh, you periodically will publish a hard copy, a physical copy of 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 yeah. it. So t- tell me about how doing that with Fuji Love has helped you prepare for frames. Yeah, that's a great, great question. Absolutely. Because it's exactly where I learned so much. And now, you know, I could, um, Oh, and tell us more about what frames is. That probably is probably an important thing to, to talk yeah, about. Yeah. So, uh, where should I start? Right. Okay. So just, you know, a couple of days ago, I mean, September 23rd, I guess I launched a printed new printed printed photography magazine. It's called frames. It will be a quarterly magazine, printed magazine of uh, 110 pages each edition, mm-hmm. beautifully printed on a top-notch, you know, paper featuring photographers and their work from all possible genres and formats. It's a, it's absolutely brand, you know, camera unrelated. It's all about excellent photography. Mm-hmm. It will resemble in a, in a way a photograph, a, a nice, a great photography book. So each of the photographs of individual images will get is getting its dedicated one page, right? So you are looking at, at a photograph, it's it's really beautifully presented on a page. And the mm-hmm. corresponding corresponding page in the magazine is a place where the photographer, you know, himself or herself, it's his or her place to add whatever thoughts or words, you know, he or she might have connected with this image. So the, the photographer himself is, is absolutely free to what kind of, he can leave this page uh, blank, right? Or, or he can mm-hmm. put a, a 400 words essay, or he can put just one sentence on one, one thought. I believe in the idea that, you know, each of us, each, each photographer has a, a strong emotional connection to the images we, 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 we want to present, we stand for, right? And so I really believe in the idea of not giving any particular, you know, specific direction on what or, you know, has to be written there about this image. Photographer puts his or her words on this corresponding page. Right. So first edition of frames. Um, yeah, I couldn't be more happy. We have, we have, uh, we have Michael Kenna in the very first edition of, of frames. Oh, so wonderful. Yeah. yeah it's lovely. I mean, amazing as a respected photographer and he agreed to publish photographs from his newest book called Buddha in the frames magazine. So mm, okay. starting with the cover and the first feature, this is Michael Kenna work. In, in frames, um, we have Phil Penman, great street photographer mm-hmm. from the, from the UK living in the US, uh, also excellent work. You know, the idea, be, 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 another idea behind the, the frames is to, to showcase work of both established and, you know, respected, very well known photographers, but also discover basically a very similar concept of what you are doing such a great job on, great, great job on candid frame. I, I believe in the idea. There is so many photographers creating amazing work which didn't yet, you know, get attention which which they which they deserve. So I want to put them both into the magazine. You know, you can have a. I just talked to to, to Joel Mayrovitz. He was on the podcast. You know, with with our yeah, podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much hoping that he will agree to you know for publication one of the next editions. But you know, next to Joel, we can have a. a a person, you know, who, who, who I discover maybe, you know, somewhere in Europe or Scandinavia, Australia, young photographer with some truly excellent work. They can beautifully coexist, you know, in this magazine. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I like, I love the show because as much as I can get, you know, a, a famous photographer on the show, I'm as, as just as eager to get people that are lesser known on the program. Because that was just one of the frustrations I had when I was working at the magazines, that it seemed like it was always the same people showcased over and over again. And, and people who didn't have a huge reputation, huge reputation would largely go over, overlooked. And that's one of the, the grateful things that I have. One of the things I'm grateful for that the, that the podcast has been able to showcase so many amazing 
amazing talents. And I've discovered a bunch of people through your work, uh, people I eventually had on, on, on the show, just because I, otherwise I probably would not have found out about them. As, as great yeah. as Instagram and all that other stuff is, there's just so much out there that you need some way of being able to get a lead. And, and The same words go, go, go your way, Baryonex, because, you know, mm -hmm. I, I've been a listener to the show. I have my list of, of photographers I would love to, you know, feature the magazine in the future based on who you interviewed. So, but yeah, I, I would say the common denominator, you know, uh, here with, with frames is just simply it's, 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 it's excellent photography. And I, I believe that excellent photography, you know, belongs on paper is the final paper, destination. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that because I think that, you know, with, with digital, most people experience imagery on, on their phones uh, to a great extent, to a lesser degree now on, on computers. Most people are looking at their phone or their tablet um, when they look at photographs. But I am a great proponent of, of seeing a print, whether it's on a wall or holding one or, you know, I got a, a huge collection of monographs and photo books that I love going through. I just ordered Mary Ellen Mark's latest uh, a book, uh, her book of everything that was uh, done posthumously by, by her husband. And I can't wait to get that because I just, as much as I've seen her photographs, uh, I'm just looking forward to holding this three volume set, you know, <laughs> and just really enjoying, uh, enjoying the work at, at a pace that you don't, you don't really practice when you're looking on a screen. So tell me the importance of, of images on paper for you, and especially in this magazine format. I have had many, many conversations, you know, with, with different kinds of people in and outside of photography industry before. Like I said, I wanted to really, you know, um, validate this entire idea of a, of a printed photography magazine in this digital era, you know, today, where we know some of the magazines disappeared. Uh, mm. I was trying to understand the reasons behind this happening. You know, for, based on those conversations, I came to the conclusion that uh, it is a great moment to come up with a, with a printed photography magazine. There is a certain digital fatigue happening, uh, you know, mm. um, yeah. in the photography world. Sure. And, I, and you know me, I'm a big proponent of, of you know, um, I, I love, you know, the, the, all of those things which internet is helping us with, you know, learning, uh, discovering new work. This is amazing. There's no question about it. But the, you know, the, the, the conclusion based on those, to those also the talks I had in conversations is there is a certain limit of time of, you know, of, of being exactly like you, you mentioned it just, just a minute before of, of, of looking at a digital device at looking at a digital screen, you know, it's, it's a physical thing. It's, it's about our eyes. Mm -hmm. There is just a limit, you know, after, after a couple of hours, you know, every single day in front of a monitor, when I sit down in my armchair or in my, you know, chair in the, I don't have an armchair by the way, yeah? <laughs> in, a, in a living room and take a, you know, you can see it on the audio podcast. Now, some of those books are back there. Uh, yeah. When I grab a photography book and start browsing, you know, pages slowly, page by page, it's so refreshing. And it's such mm. a different experience, even though, you know, looking in some cases at, at the very same images, which, which I saw just, you know, maybe a few days ago on the screen, on a computer screen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It gives it this, this, this another level, another dimension. It's just, and the whole experience is, uh, is deeper. It's slower, right? It's usually, you know, scrolling through an Instagram feed happens relatively quickly we don't tend to you know i have the feeling sometimes we miss some very good photographs because the habit of scrolling doesn't stop us you know for the yeah. for, right you, you you know what mm -hmm. i mean it's absolutely with a, with a book or with a magazine it's different you 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 turn the page okay let's have a look you know it grabs your attention and that's why i decided that this is one of the most important your know, layout ideas about this magazine is that um, each photograph gets its dedicated page so when you turn the page you really you are really interacting with one particular image yeah so nothing yeah, else on, is fighting for your attention i just got this which is stephen wilkes day for oh, wow. night people can't see it but it is a huge book i don't know this what the big. dimensions are of it big big book and i have seen these images on the internet and um this is a book that um 
And Stephen Wilkes is someone I interviewed recently, and um, I bought uh, I bought I bought this book soon after. And I got to tell you, when I'm going to sit down and look at this book, I'm going to sit at a table and I'm going to turn the pages and I'm just going to linger on these photographs because those are the kinds of photographs you want to linger on. And that's something that it's, it's, it's an experience that is, I think, lost on too many people because people are so used to just swiping. But especially if you want to learn more about photography, there's something to be said to having a printed page in front of you whether it's on your lap or on a table or whatever, and to really just take in a photograph. And yeah. when, and it, when it, and then when that photograph has that quality that we talked about earlier in the conversation about an uh, image that has its own musicality, that has its nuance, that's infused by something about the photographer, that's, that's when an image really sings on the page. Not when it's just a, a glorified Xerox copy of it, that's when the you get the full pleasure of an image. And that's one of the reasons why I never tire of going to an exhibit or getting a, a new book and just sit there and just sort of taking it in. And, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the, the things that's great about being able to publish a printed magazine. Now, one of the reasons why magazines have taken a downturn was largely advertising because that's what they relied on forever in order to be able to pay, you know, the photographers, the writers, the designers, the, all the staff. And largely you've been um, subscriber supported uh, with the publications. So let's talk about that because that's an important component about, especially any photographic publication being able to be sustainable. Yeah. So, so you're asking about kind of about the business model right behind it. My idea, you know, from the very beginning when I was envisioning this magazine is, uh, was, um, there is no advertisement in this magazine. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what we ended up and it will be in fact, the, the case with this publication is there are two spots, two possible spots for, for an advertisement inside front cover and inside back cover. That's it. Right. So the yeah. entire contents, entire pages inside of the, you know, in between the covers, there is no ads and um, yeah, exactly. How to sustain such project, you know, obviously th the way is to, to have a smaller way, probably way smaller team working on it. Right. So uh, this mm -hmm. is, you know, cutting the costs and uh, yeah, I decided to go with a, with a, with a subscription model, at least now for starters, you know, let's see what happens in a few years. I mean, I would love to see frames, you know, in, in, um, on, um, how do you call them? The book stands or the, you know, the news right. stands, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what will happen. W what's happening now? The frames is a, is a subscription based model. So you subscribe to the magazine, you receive four quarterly editions of this printed magazine, but I didn't give up completely on the digital content. There is a accompanying a suite of, of, of digital, you know, components to which mm -hmm. every, every frame subscribers gets access to. So in between those quarterly printed editions, you will get access to smaller monthly, uh, we call them digital companions. Those are digital publications, PDF publications, which will be very often relating in some way to the main editions of the magazine. For example, okay. uh, for example, adding, you know, interviews with those photographers, maybe at, uh, another sets of images and so on. And four times a year, we will be having um, photography masterclasses online with with four invited guests you know and so those master classes will be also available within this subscription price our subscription price to everyone to everyone who is subscribed to, to the magazine so yeah my idea was to create kind of like a hub like a platform yeah where the you know the main the main thing is the, the printed magazine this is the the heart of this project and around this printed magazine we yeah we will be also of course offering a, a few different things to to keep you busy in, yeah. in, in, in between the, the, the printed editions. Yeah, and that's, that's stuff that's very welcome now with so many of us being stuck at home, at least for a, the, <laughs> finding, finding substantive content to consume, consume is important because there's only so many YouTube videos you can watch without having your brain melt. And having yeah. something related to something that you're passionate about is really good. Yeah. Another, you know, if I have just a minute, one, one minute shortly, I, I had a concern because uh, we talk very often about, you know, print or print magazine, print in general, books. 
kind of, you know, um, about their future being unknown or rather, you know, maybe questionable or, you know, problematic. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking a lot about generations, you know, about people who, who grew up with, you know, with books like our parents and so on, like us, right, yeah. partially. And then, you know, the, the youngest generations, which, you know, basically live on their iPads and iPhones. But then I did my research, of course, here as well. And what was very interesting in, you know, and not only with photographers themselves, but with people who like to consume photography, they love keep uh, holding photography books in their hands. It's, it's still there, mm. you know, uh, another group of people, of young people who, who are into photography, you know, using digital cameras, using, you, uh, photographing more and more with mobile phones, right? I had a few conversations with, with very young people, you know, 20, 25 years old, who are already into photography. They kind, I kind of opened their the, the eyes. This was a few conversations, so it gave me a, yeah. gave me a, a you know, um, idea what's going on. They were like, oh, this must look amazing when you can print it bigger and hang on your wall. Yeah. So... You know, it's from, from different directions, from different angles. I think a printed photography magazine, and I believe it obviously in this idea, is not the worst idea. Let's see. Let's, uh, I, I truly stand behind it and, and believe in, in, in this. And the, the initial reaction is, is, is nice. We, we have subscribers already and uh, yeah, wish me luck. <laughs> let's see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I signed up myself uh, this week and I encourage people to, uh, uh, to do it, but, and we'll have some links uh, in the show notes, but in general, if people want to find out more about, about it and tell us about the subscription and, and all that. Yeah. So basically if you head over to readframes.com, you know, somewhere at the top of the website, you will see the magazine link, you know, so it's easy to find readframes.com. It's a monthly subscription. It's a, it's a, this is what, what needs some expla explanation, I think. So we have a quarterly magazine, but the subscription, you can pay the subscription yearly or monthly. If you choose the monthly plan, it's $14 US a, a month. With, and in this $14 a month subscription being paid, you know, every 30 days, you receive already everything what's on this platform. So you receive the magazine, including shipping and handling to whatever location in the world. And you receive the access to digital companions, to photography masterclasses four times a year, and also to the, our internal photography forum, you know, going on after you log in into your subscriber area. 14 bucks a month. I guess, I think the, the, the value for money is it, it's good here because uh, I don't want to reveal yet the names of the photography masterclass, uh, you know, guests, but mm -hmm. you, I think you will be happy with who you would have a chance, you know, to learn from during those sessions as well. So that, that's, well, the, will, that's the plan. Well, I've, I've been impressed with what you've produced thus far. And I, I have no doubt that, that what you're going to be doing with frames is going to be just as good and just as, as uh, worthwhile. Well, Tomas is a listener of the show. You know what my last question is? It's uh, I ask each guest to recommend <laughs> a photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. And it can be anyone, uh, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who that one photographer be and why? I can tell by your expression that you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I will forget, forget I didn't prepare. And you know, it's a, it's a tough question with choosing Especially just one. Especially for right? you, yeah. Yeah, well, let, let me, let me, yeah. There is so many, as we just talked, new, uh, you know, younger, older, known, unknown. Let, let me just, but let me drop this, this name uh, again, Michael Kenna. Uh, this was my yeah. personal, uh, my personal photographic guru and, you know, somebody to look up to amazing landscape black and white photographer you know from the uk mm -hmm. uh, photographing all, all all around the world um i had the privilege of, of meeting him in person one day one one time in switzerland it, he was visiting lucerne a couple of years ago what i admire about michael kenna is apart from his visual you know proficiency and you know the way of seeing is the consistency and you know perseverance yeah in 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 his work he has been working on a particular, you know, way of imagery for, for, I guess, 40 years yeah. and, you know, improving his skill over 40 years, working on square format, you know, black and white landscape images. This is just something it bl blows my mind away you know, when I think about it. And I met him, I met Michael in person and he couldn't be more enthusiastic about what he's doing after 40 years of doing the same thing. Yeah. So 
my huge respect uh, if you don't know michael kenna's work uh, I, I guess michaelkenna.com is the, <laughs> the place to start yeah, we'll, we'll have a link on that on the website but tomas always a pleasure to speak with you brother thank you for coming on the show thank you so much baryonex and uh, yeah take care stay healthy these days Thanks to Tomas for joining us. Find out more about his projects by visiting fujilove.com and readframes.com. If you're a devoted listener and subscribe to the show, write us a review on whatever service you listen to podcasts. These reviews have allowed us to grow. Thanks to Brooke Schultz and Jay Jazz for their five-star reviews. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and our mailing list on the YouTube channel are for critiques on images submitted by TCF listeners like you, while the mailing list keeps you updated with all TCF events, including workshops and more. Sign up today. And remember, you can support the show by contributing to our Patreon effort or make a one-time or reoccurring donation via PayPal. Thanks to James Kelly, Jeffrey Nissler, and Jared Christensen for their recent contributions. We also provide a series of ebooks on photography available for purchase on our website. It's my way of sharing my experience and knowledge and another way for you to support the show. And if you can't find every episode of the show, download the Candid Frame app, which is available for both Apple iOS and Android. And because of your generosity, it's free to download and use. No additional purchases are required. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. <laughs>